What is going on, FCS football fans? Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. I am David Hassigan. To my left, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning. Good morning, David. I have to call you David now because... Uh... <laughs> You know, Why? Because I'm you're, professional? You're professionally I, dressed this morning. I actually look And you brought your father here in the studio, so... Yeah, we got a studio audience of one, so thank you <laughs> for that one. But it's it's here, folks. The season has finally arrived. Yes, there were some Week Zero games. No, we did not forget them. We will get to all three of those games in a second. But Week 1 is upon us. The 2018 season is finally here across all of college football. It's been far too long. Finally, people get to hit each other, hit somebody else instead of each other. It's just perfect. I mean, th- this is the time of the year you're 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 striving for, right? Absolutely, man. It, you know, I got a taste last week with week zero uh, at the Duquesne UMass game, but there's nothing like week one because everyone is is involved, and that's what makes college football so unique and and quite honestly the best sport uh, in the country. And it, you're talking about you got chances for upset specials in week one, the FBS versus the FCS matchups. Quite a bit of intrigue. I'll tell you right now, uh, for our upcoming FCS uh, kickoff video, mm-hmm. we have, you know, we have the segments where we have our regular game previews and upset alert games. Right. This week may have, and it's always week one, but since we've been doing this, I want to say going back to 2015 um, or 16, whenever we started working with the FCS kickoff, this has to be the most upset special games I have ever compiled in one week oh yeah i think right now we're sitting at 15 games (laughs) like here we go damn near half the schedule is upset alert that's what i like to hear and folks remember we're going into week one we've already previewed all of your conferences if you're wondering where are those it's on itunes it's on soundcloud just search football game plans football game plan in the podcast section subscribe while you're over there and you can listen back to all of our previews for all of the fcs conferences you can see what we think. You can go to footballgameplan.com and youtube.com slash footballgameplan. Emery has videos for a whole week's long, week-long specials. I don't know where you were if you missed all the content that you guys you were putting out week by week for the conferences. I mean, people have to know by now, don't they? They Come have on. to, man. They, I mean, we got a lot of content coming out here. We have all kind of NFL draft prospects. We talked about a lot of the incoming freshmen. We talked about each conference in detail, both in video and in podcast form. Become the expert before your friends do. That's all we can say. Exactly. Because you saw, if you watched the game last night, the Cardinals versus the Cowboys, you saw everyone raving about Chase Edmonds. But had you been following football game plan and the FCS kickoff, you would have known that already, that he was going to be good. (sighs) And if they want to really get you in live time, they can follow you at FBallGamePlan at FCS Opening Drive and at the FCS Kickoff on Twitter. And again, as always, all complaints go to at Craig Haley from FCS Stats for all complaints about what you hear on this podcast. Shout out to Craig Haley because you know his complaint box is going to be <laughs> revved up now that the season starts. It's getting up there now. But let's get into it, Emery, because we, ha- we do have some games to talk about finally as part of Week Zero. Uh, three games across the FCS. We're going to start with the only all-FCS matchup of the bunch, and it was the FCS Kickoff. North Carolina A&T, number 14, taking on number 6, Jacksonville State. And the defending champions, the undefeated champions of the MEAC, A&T, come out on top 20-17. to 17. Really good ball game. Not as disciplined as we'd like to see, but really good ball game between two juggernaut programs. The one takeaway from this ball game that I, that I was able to, you know, come away with was how great defensively both teams are going to be. Yes. You know, so... Yes. Both teams' defenses were ready to go week zero. 
Their offenses are still a work in progress. We saw, and, and here's the thing: you saw JMU try to, I'm sorry, JSU break in a new quarterback and uh, Zarek Cooper, you know, transfer from Clemson. Right. Uh, so their offense is still going to be a little bit where he got better in the second half. On A and T side, we knew they had the better offense coming in because they had a lot of guys coming back. Their offensive line right. got to work out because that was the biggest question. Because you lose Brandon Parker, you lose three other starters, so they lost four starters up front along the offensive line. That was their biggest issue. But you saw JSU stop the running game. Cartwright really couldn't get anything going yeah, on the quiet ground. Night. Quiet, quiet night. night. Even uh, Rayner was struggling throwing the football because of the tight coverage on the back end with the secondary led by Marlon Bridges. So both defenses are excellent. Whichever offense can get it going, you know, upcoming in week one, and that's going to be a good. That's going to be good for their season. I don't think either. I know a lot of. There's going to be a lot of talk that. Oh well, maybe Jacksonville State wasn't where they were supposed to be ranked because they lost to a MEAC school. But no, A and T is a good football team. Yeah. JSU is a good football team. This is what happens when you put two good football teams against one another. Somebody has to lose. So I wouldn't drop. Jacksonville State far in the rankings because they lost to an uh, uh, an A and uh, squad that's coming off of an undefeated season. No, you you just look at this as an individual matchup. This yeah. was a great game, and they played a very different style because Jacksonville State we're used to seeing kind of a RPO but run heavy. Yeah, run RPO. heavy offense. I mean, Zara Cooper threw for over three hundred twenty yards. That's not what we're used to seeing from Jacksonville State. So we're, it'll be a question now of. Is this a shift in the way they're going to run their offense with him in in command? Or is he still adjusting and they're saying, let's do something that's a little bit more comfortable for you in this first game as you learn the offense? It'll be interesting to see which way they go. Big game of the the whole, big play of the game, Malik Wilson. 98-yard kickoff return, which got uh, A&T to 17-14 behind. Jacksonville State scored again, and then A&T ended up getting the win right at the end there, but... Special teams look decent for A&T, and that's something that we're not used to seeing from the MEAC and the SWAC schools either. Yeah, and that's the biggest part about it. That's the X factor. A lot of times people only focus on the two aspects of, of a football game, offense and defense, and they forget or neglect the special teams aspect, which is huge. And yep. we saw that play out in live time against Jacksonville State. That was the turning point of the ball game because you felt as though at that point Jacksonville State kind of had it under control. They weathered the first quarter flurry yeah. that A&T put them under, and A&T jumped out pretty quickly. Uh, but Jacksonville State really gained control, and then they were looking to close the door. And it was a great punt. It was just a great kick. It was just an even better return that really changed the, the momentum and the, uh, you know swung the pendulum in the other direction. Right. And A&T never lost that momentum. Let's move to the game that you were at. You were at UMass versus Duquesne. This is this one. If you had the teams from last year, probably a pretty good matchup, but. Duquesne completely overmatched by UMass, 63-15. Not a good start to the year for the, for the Dukes, who at the end of last season really kind of collapsed to lose uh, lose the title to Central Connecticut State. It It's not looking great for them to start the year either. Yeah, it was a tough game for them, but there was a few seeds of, of uh, <laughs> like I hear all year, <laughs> he has a squeeze bottle. like He's taking shots uh, in between <laughs> takes. But I had an interesting view of what we saw uh, from Duquesne and what's to you know to come. Those two things that that I, that really was that caught my attention. One was the the lack of usage for AJ Hines. Yeah. They were doing a lot of alternating, and Hines, uh, you saw um, 
Fullmore get a lot of, a lot of carries. Right. Hines was kind of used intermittently. Uh, and I was like, why are they not running Hines or feeding Hines? And when they were able to – one drive in particular, they gave him back-to-back carries, and he got like 30-something yards, right? Yeah. It's like, well, why aren't they feeding Hines? So I, I don't know the answer to that question. On the flip side, on the defensive side of the ball, Brandon Stanback I thought was outstanding. And right. these are things that don't show up in the stat sheet. Uh, there was one play where the UMass running back uh, – uh, Ali or Eli or I've heard Ali, Ali. Ali yeah. um, but I think it's pronounced e- like Ali. It's pronounced Ali, Ali. Okay. and so he broke a sixty-something yard run, and it was he was well on his way for a touchdown. I don't know where you see stand back, just fly up, track him down, and trip him up at the two. Yeah. Now Ali goes in the score from the two-yard line on the next play, but that was hustle. Then it was fourth and inches on the negative side of the 50-yard line. So UMass in their own territory going forward on fourth and inches, and they were going to run downhill, stand back, flies up in, in run support, stuffs them in the backfield. That was a big play. And he also was able to pick up a fumble recovery uh, as UMass was going in for another score. He was able to pick up the fumble recovery right. and return it for, you know, I want to say 20-something yards. So I thought he played a, a really good game offensively. Nahari Crawford is a, a tremendous receiver. They just couldn't find ways to get him the football. I think the quarterback, yeah. uh, Parr, who is a transfer from Florida Atlantic, he's going to have to step up big time in their next game because that was the biggest part of their offense that I came away you know, still having some questions. How can they throw the football this year when you have a talented playmaker on the outside and Crawford who can – Get open anytime he wants to. They got to find ways to get him the football. Yeah, you talk about par. I mean, this is the first. This is the game that he's at the same same level as where he was before playing at Florida Atlantic. This is against an FBS opponent, and he struggled. So maybe that's a part of a learn. You know, maybe he'll get better once he moves to the FCS schedule. We'll have to see. Because again, technically, it is a step down, even though we know for a fact right. it isn't. But no, Duquesne. I mean, we as I said before, they looked really good last year until about week nine and then the whole thing just fell apart and I don't know if this is just a hangover from that or whether that's first game nerves from par we'll have to find out we'll have to see but I'll tell you right now the other teams in the NEC are pretty happy right now with what they're seeing from Duquesne let's move to the last game and this was an actually we, t- we talked about this game as a possible possible shock in week one I saw a lot of points being scored, is what I said, too. And it turned out to be the best game of the opening weekend as Rice defeated Prairie View A&M, but it was a close game, 31-28. Rice came out real early and took took advantage of the first couple drives. Prairie View had the lead at halftime. Couple mistakes, that's that's the difference in the game, and gets Rice the win. Special teams, because you also had a situation where, uh, and that was a turning point for this game, where the, the punt, they snapped the ball over the punter's head, and he has to kick it out the end zone, which tied the game. Yeah. yeah. So now it made every subsequent possession crucial because you have to prote- whoever scores is going to take the lead. So that changed the tide of the game. But credit to Prairie View for coming in, getting down early. They were down, what, 16 nothing. Yeah. Getting down early, couldn't stop the run, figured out how to slow it down enough to get the ball back, and didn't realize they have a matchup problem on the outside with their receiver just completely baking the secondary of Rice. One corner in particular was having his date. It was his birthday. They kept going at him. They had a 94-yard drive. I want to say three of those plays went to the receiver. He ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive, too. So 
that tells me that they have talent out there on the on the perimeter. Yeah, quarterback was outstanding, and you know the coaches have again getting in there and getting guys to buy into the system and being able to execute. Now they still obviously need some help along the defensive line because they couldn't stop the run. But the fact that they were able to go out there, go toe-to-toe with the 85 scholarship team in Rice. Now, granted, both Rice and Prairie View breaking in new coaches. Right. Uh, but it was it was a great game, great showcase matchup for both Rice because they had to overcome adversity. Right. You know, So credit to Rice's team for doing what they had to do to win. But credit Prairie View for coming out there and not laying an egg and fighting back through adversity to take a lead. And had, they had command of that game. So yeah. this just makes what they have coming down the pike – in the SWAC and their out of conference schedule, pretty pretty huge because, you know, next they got what North Carolina Central. That's a MEAC game. Then they have Sam Houston State. They had it was a tough battle last year with Sam Houston State. They really couldn't blow them out early. Right. It was a good game until late. Then they got then they got out of hand. So they got Central. Then they have UNLV, uh, Sam Houston State. So they have some good out of conference matchups. That now you look at this team and say, hey. They got a chance to win these. And, I mean, and I know it's a loss, but it's a great first uh, first game for Eric Dooley in charge. I mean, we know we can do with offense. And the wide receiver you mentioned, Tristan Wallace, uh, five catches for 147, had a great game. Jalen Morton, three touchdowns, 244 through the air. So we said it, though, in the preview. If you listen back to our previews, this shouldn't be a shock to you. Prairie View is going to be in the conversation in the SWAC. Grambling in Southern, you probably should keep an eye out because it's not going to be an easy easy game for you. The only thing for Prairie View is that they have six straight road games. That's crazy. That's insane. That's now crazy. granted Rice is in Texas, Sam Houston is, is in Texas, but they don't see their beautiful new stadium, um, which is what, two years old I believe? They don't Something see that, like that until like six weeks from now. That's just that's nuts. That's crazy. That's absolutely nuts. But at least they get to go to Vegas. Yeah, actual, not not Lex Vegas, actual Las Vegas, yeah, not, actual, not, not Lex Vegas. Not Washington and Lee Vegas. No, we know. You know, not VMI Vegas. No, nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to go there. <laughs> well, maybe some people do. Well, let, let's move into uh, some more preview for 2018. You've got a whole bunch of things that we're going to keep an eye out for 2018 for this upcoming season. Let's run through, uh, through a few of those as we go into week one. And let's start with some of the new coaches that are coming into the scene. Which new coaches are you going to keep an eye on with some big-name programs and possibly some big-name coaches going to smaller programs that can make an impact? Well, we have a bunch of new coaches in the FCS. So, you know, obviously you want to see how all of these coaches do. But Bob Chesney at Holy Cross, I think, has a unique situation because Holy Cross is a sleeping giant program in the FCS. He's coming into a, a situation where they have the alumni base, they have the money into the, they're pumping money into the program, yep. and he has a really good football team that he's going to take the field with this season. They got some interesting matchups. We talked about the BC game, but they have a lot of cool, interesting matchups. Yeah. And I love his energy. I love his passion. I love what he'll bring to the defense. But I'm excited to see how they play offense. Um, they lose Peter Puyals, but they have Jeff Wade. We talked about this before last week when you have you know Richmond. Uh, losing Kyle Loletta, but they have a guy that has playoff experience in Kevin Johnson. Well, same thing for Holy Cross. They lose a record-setting quarterback in Peter Puyallis, but Jeff Wade played a lot of football when Puyallis was hurt right. two years ago. So they have experience at quarterback. They have talent along the offensive line. Defensively, they're going to be excellent. This is a good football team. I'm interested to see how they take the field under a new head coach. And what's, what's interesting in the, about that situation as well with uh, Coach Chesney is that a lot of these new FCS coaches, a lot of them are coordinators taking over their first head coaching job that we've, you know, 
uh, OCs or DCs at other FCS schools or FPS. He's got head coaching experience. He's coming from Assumption in D2 where he led a tremendous program there. Yes. So he's got head coaching experience. He's just moving up a level. This is just a new challenge for him. He's going to just have some fun. That's the whole thing he's looking forward to. Um, I think another interesting one to keep an eye on, and this is going to be under the radar for a, nice, a, a couple of years, I think, is Coach Eric Morris at Incarnate Word. Mm-hmm. Former offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. You know what they can bring on offense. Tech. And this is a or Texas Tech, excuse me. But this is a program that's in its infancy, really. But you're in the state of Texas. You've got the athletes. They're just going to keep building up and building up and building up. I don't think they're going to be in contention in the Southland for maybe another two years or so. But if they give Coach Morris the reins and really let him have the freedom with this program, he could really build something special at Incarnate Work. I agree. And they have the blueprint right across the way in UT San Antonio. Yeah. Um, So in the same area. So they're recruiting a lot of the same kids. And they're in a great conference where if you just have offense, you got a shot. Yeah, and another one that I want to keep an eye on is uh, Coach Josh Conklin at Wofford, taking over for a legend in Mike Ayers after he retired. Speaking of legendary coaches, this is another one we're going to keep an eye on. Is This is the last year of Coach Jimmy Laycock at William & Mary. I thought he was going to get to 40. Come I on, I wanted Coach. him to get to 40, man. Get to the big 4-0. I, I, I guarantee it wasn't his call. I don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't I his mean, call. I mean, they named the football complex after him. I think he can make his own calls at this point, right? He is William & Mary. Yeah, you know he legitimately is. They, I wouldn't be surprised if they put his face on the on the side of the helmet as a, the logo. <laughs> By the way, their new their new script logo that they the W and M that they yeah. phenomenal, I mean, excellent it's choice. It's, it's smooth. smooth, nice subtle change. Is is very clean. I and but you're right. All jokes aside, we always talk about college football being an emotional game and you know teams having momentum and what is there to play for. When you have a legend. That's leaving. Yeah. You kind of want to allow him to go out as a winner. Right. So what William and, uh, which William & Mary team will we see each and every week? Will we see the motivated one or the one that disappointed last year? Uh, but I think when you look at – and I think last year was his worst year in conference. They didn't win a conference game. That was, the, only, that was the first time ever he's not won a conference game. So there you go. And So which William & Mary team will we see this year? Because – you talk about Holy Cross being a sleeping giant program. Yep. Sort of tribe. And they they are well built along both sides of the line of scrimmage. They always are. They always have a good tight end. Um, they still have a good H back. You know, they utilize that as well. So they got right. a good they got the seeds for success. Can they get consistent play from the quarterback position? Exactly. Let's move let's stick in the CAA right now and let's talk about the kings of that conference, and that's James Madison University. I mean, national champions, champions two years ago, national championship game last year, runners-up. But this year, it seems like JMU is a little bit more vulnerable than some of the other bigger programs that are high in the polls. There's a lot of competition coming from down below from programs that are blue-blood programs. They're coming back to prominence. Well, I will say this. I do believe this year, you know how we always talk about conference strength, right? right. We tend to talk about this when it's time for playoffs and yep. who gets in, how many teams they get in. I would say, to be honest, um, JMU in the CAA may be the best conference this year in the FCS. I agree. So JMU, while on paper we may not recognize a lot of the the new additions, but when you break down the film and kind of look deep within the, the new additions, they've done a good job. And I said this last podcast where they also do a great job of recruiting their own, developing their own, but also – 
bringing in transfers and integrating them into the system. So I don't think we'll see as much of a drop-off, but you're right. Last episode, we talked about my conference winners. I don't have JMU winning the conference, but I have them making the playoffs. Right. And I think the CAA this year may be the strongest it's been in, in quite some time. you got six teams in the FCS stats top 25 to start the year Justifiably off. Justifiably so. Stony Brook has come up to prominence. Elon's come up to prominence. But then you have teams like Delaware coming back. Villanova's coming back. Your New Hampshire Wildcats. New Hampshire, possibly. <laughs> I still don't think so. Coming up through the system here. But there's no easy game. Even we talked about Richmond, too. They lose Lawletta, but that doesn't seem to matter. It looks like they're ready to reload and go again. And so. I know I say this every episode or at some point in time during our seasons, but do not sleep on the Rhode Island Rams. <laughs> like, Rhode Island's you a tough out. You and Rhode out. Island again. Maine is a tough out. Yeah. I, well, yeah. Well, Rhode Island, they've got a tough – they got Delaware, I believe, week one. Yeah, Delaware is going to be good this year. That's going to be an interesting contest, though, if Rhode Island is as good as you say, which – I'm just saying, like, mm. you can't sleep on Rhode Island. <laughs> like, yeah. so the CAA top to bottom yeah. is going to be tough, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on that Rhode one. Rhode Island almost beat – Central Michigan in double <laughs> overtime. Had their kicker not caught the yips. The the, the yips. I, I am familiar with the yips. As, so. a, as a golfer, I, I am very familiar with the yips. Let's move now to the Patriot League, though. Obviously, that was the running joke last season. But you are particularly interested in one team's offense and how they're going to run it this year. Well, because I do a lot of Georgetown games, right? Right. I broadcast a lot of Georgetown games. And the one running thing that we saw every year, every seat, every game, it's like, man, if the offense could just give a little bit more, you know, not not effort, but if they could just provide a little bit more punch, Georgetown would win a boatload of games. Yeah, Defense and special teams, they are always strong. They may have the strongest special teams unit in the conference um, or in the Patriot League. Defensively, they are always good. Front lines are good. They may be undersized, but they're strong at the point of attack. They genuinely or generally stop the run. They're able to apply pressure. The secondary finds the football. They're versatile on the back end. Offensively, they always had issues with consistency and, and putting points up on the board. Right. New offensive coordinator comes in this year. So we'll see if that brings in fresh new ideas and a, a new way of, of doing things. Because if they can find offense – they can easily turn it around. Yeah. They've recruited well. Coach Scarlotta does a great job of recruiting considering the circumstances. It's a great game day atmosphere. So if you haven't been to a Georgetown football game, I suggest you you get down there. And they have some of the most phenomenal helmets I've seen. Classic. That, the in, the enlarged uh Hoya yeah. dog head on the on the on the mat mat helmet. Yeah. Gray and white, they're they're unveiling white this year. Ooh, fancy! Yeah, they have gray and they have blue. So, but all seriousness, Georgetown's defense and special teams are always game. If they can do anything offensively, this will be a team that could have that turnaround like we saw Lafayette have right. last year in the Patriot League. If they could just find ways, they don't even have to average thirty-five points a game. If they can just average twenty-three points a game, because they actually play defense. Bingo, and they have great special teams, punter. Kicker, return game, coverage units, yep. they block punts. They are sitting on a gold mine right there if that offense can really get it going this the year. The Patriot League is gettable. I think Colgate is a little bit ahead of the rest, but anybody else in that conference can get on a run it's and the go all the way. Northeast version of the Southland. 
Yeah. He who has defense in this conference can win. Colgate has defense. <laughs> yeah, Colgate Bucknell has defense. has defense, but Bucknell doesn't have offense. Georgetown has defense, but no offense. Fordham, when they were good, yeah. had both. Lehigh and Lafayette have no defense whatsoever. But Lehigh has enough offense to overcompensate. Yes. But if you have defense, you're in play for the Patriot League. Let's talk about one other team, too. And, and we've, we're starting to see some shifts in teams. We've, we've already talked a lot about the Hampton saga playing SUNY Maritime and all this sort of yeah. thing. We've talked about North Alabama <laughs> moving up into the, the, uh, the 1AA level. But let's talk about Campbell because they're here and ready to go. They're moving from non-scholarship football to scholarship football in the Big South. But they could really make an impact in this conference this year. Yeah, you talk about a situation where they recruited their first scholarship class last year, redshirted the entire class. So we're going to see a bunch of new right. redshirt freshmen hit the field. That's the up in the air. That's the the unknown right now. You don't know how these guys are going to perform in a mm-hmm. real game, but you got to love the talent that they've brought in, and you got to love the coach Mike Minter. You know he's a fiery guy. Played with the Carolina Panthers. Part of that Nebraska Cornhusker black shirt defense. <sighs> Here we go so, again. Yeah, yeah, right. We got to a rant last time about the '95 <laughs> Nebraska team, but I am excited to see how Campbell does in the Big South. Monmouth is going to be good. We fig- we figure that uh, Kennesaw State is going to be in the playoffs again. Right. This is a good conference, a good league for them to join. So I'm excited to see how they do in their first year of scholarship football. Yeah, and, and again, Charleston Southern's usually the team that's... That's another team you can't sleep on. Up at the top of the Big South. The last couple of years, they've just gotten blown by. The question is, where does Campbell slide in? Do they sign him just ahead or just behind Charleston Southern? And, you and, can make an argument for each. And you, you talked about Hampton. You know, I know they don't officially... Once they get there. Yeah, yeah. once they join the conference officially... But Hampton is a good team that's usually good along both sides of the line of scrimmage. They recruit well in that, you know, Hampton, Virginia area. Yep. The seven five seven. And so North Alabama, Division Two Power, this is probably gonna be the next in line of the stronger conferences because all the teams in here are really good. And by the way, good luck to uh, St. Andrews and Virginia Lynchburg on the Hampton schedule. You're gonna uh gonna catch some wrath, I think. <laughs> so, Virginia Lynchburg they may get blasted. <laughs> this, it's just Hampton like, gonna blow them all uh, the way out the water. Oh, uh, and then well, and then SUNY Maritime because I mean, why not? <laughs> anyway, at least they get to come to New York. Yeah, they get something anyway. Before we go to the break, let's talk about. Um, we're gonna talk about some awards already. It sounds sounds like I'm Kirk. You, Herbstreet. you know, week one kind of starts the watch list. You got to yeah, start the. I watch sound like list. Kirk Street already. It's like, all right, who's gonna win? You know, who's gonna win the, all these awards and stuff like that. Let's talk about the Walter Payton and the Buck Buchanan though. We we'll talk about offensive and defensive MVPs. Um, let's start with the Walter Payton. And there's obviously, this is usually a category that's dominated by quarterbacks. We know how it goes. It's the same thing with the Heisman. But this year could see the rise of Keelan Doss, potentially. I think he's got to be one of the finalists. Do you agree? Absolutely. I mean, they want a receiver to be in the mix. Yeah. Yeah, Cooper Cup uh, before, and you have Keelan Doss as just of the same caliber. Right. So, I'm not surprised that he's going to be in a conversation. I, that that would be one of the finalists, I would say. You know there's going to have at least two to three quarterbacks that's going to be in the mix, right? Right. You know, you could toss out Gage Gubrud having a, a bounce back year for Eastern Washington. Yep. Um, Chandler Burks of Kennesaw State, if he leads this team. Ooh, a, a dual threat quarterback. He won't have the statistics. A dual threat but quarterback. He, but he would have the, the – the leadership qualities that you would want the, that the uh, award embodies, right? Um, you so would think. You would but. think. <laughs> so you, you have that Mike Dari of 
Sam Houston State could put up crazy numbers. Devlin Hodges, I think, is right there. Another good pick in that passing game. You know, we still don't know about their running game this year. So, yes, Hodges, who came in as a – first of all, the, we talked about his last episode with the, the promo video for his campaign. <laughs> uh, phenomenal if you haven't seen it already. So, I think, yes, to me, I think this year's Walter Payton Award is wide open. There's no clear-cut favorite. What about the Buck Buchanan? Is there anybody you're looking at for the defensive player of the year? Staying at Sanford. Amar Gooden, I think by yes. far, is going to have a phenomenal year. Uh, coming off the edge, six feet, 240. It's tough when you have that natural leverage. It's tough for these taller offensive linemen to get their right. hands on you. So you're going to be able to turn that corner and really flatten to get to the quarterback. And he's their, he's their star. Like we said before, they lost three or two studs at linebacker. Um, they're going to need Gooden to have a breakout year, and if he does, he to me it would be the easy choice for the Buck Buchanan. Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm going to throw this out there too. I know he's a sophomore, but we brag about him all the time. Bryson Armstrong. Yeah, Kennesaw uh, State. Mean, at Kennesaw State, you put up 140 something tackles as a true freshman. You've got the talent enough to win this thing as a sophomore. I mean, I think he's right there. He's going to be on one of the best teams in the FCS this year. I think we both said Kennesaw State is right up there for a top 10 possibility or probability. So I think you got to throw him into the mix. How cool would that be? I don't know if it happened before. We could just our research department, Craig Haley at Craig Haley, could probably ask us this or answer this. If you have the same team produce a Walter Payton and Buck Buchanan Award winner, have we had that before? I don't know. That would be cool because you know if we get Devlin Hodges and and Gooden, yeah, or Armstrong and and Burks. You know, that could be interesting. Interesting. So. And I, I think, would also yeah. toss him for a Buck Buchanan candidate. Uh, we saw him play in week zero. Uh, Marlon Bridges, I think, is going to be excellent. Yes. Again, yes. this year. So. Also, I wonder if, uh, has there ever been anybody who's won the Buck Buchanan three years in a row? I don't know. I know we've had back-to-backs before. Because I think Armstrong has a shot at it. If he he plays won like he the, the Jerry Rice last year. You know, sure. Now, we saw A.G. Hines win the Jerry Rice as a freshman for Duquesne. Right. And probably could have made a case for the Walter Payton as a sophomore. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll it's going to be interesting. Going to be interesting to watch. Folks, we're going to take a quick break here on the podcast. When we come back, Emory's going to have some positional breakdowns for you, fantasy football style for Well, just week matchups one. that I'm interested in seeing this week. We got we have some great games on a schedule that provides – I'm a big matchups guy. And, yes. You know, so I think we have some good matchups that I'm looking forward to seeing. And we got – of course, we've got a ton of game previews. We've got some – Intrigue, perhaps some upset specials coming down the pipeline. Because I mean, you seem to be pretty sure about it. There's a bunch of games. I mean, (laughs) there are a bunch of games that are prime for upsets. So we'll have all of that when we come back. We'll also have our what we believe the headline will be next week as we go into the podcast. We'll be right, wrong, we look like idiots. I mean, we do most of the time, but well, I do. Anyway, (laughs) we'll get to that on the other side of the break. Stay with us, folks. So you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now's the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 19. 
1964. Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit GoCSB.com. Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. David Hassig in here with the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Don't forget, folks, you can listen to all of our preview podcasts going into week one on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. And for any of Emery's videos, go to footballgameplan.com and youtube.com slash footballgameplan. Get all your knowledge. It's only all in one place. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a wealth of knowledge, we, man. We make and it not simple. just football, too, so... I- yeah, yeah, whatever. Fashion sense wise, you know, yeah, I'm, you, I'm you should good. do a fashion video every week. This should be, we should, be man, because some of these for, uniforms uniform. are, are phenomenal. I would wear some of these uniforms <laughs> out publicly. Like that's how good some of them you, look. You wear the uniforms. You got the. You have to get. You get the suit to match. Right. Get the suit to match. Get the mini helmet. You got can, the whole. Yeah. Can we get a matte suit? Like something that. That, just, that would be okay. Now we're pushing. A did little you see bit. Hawaii's helmet? No, I haven't seen that it yet. Was, it was pretty dope. You Is know, it they had the H on one side, but on the other side of the helmet. They had the Hawaiian Islands, which is pretty cool. Ooh, nice. Yeah. And again, we're uh, thinking about the people out in Hawaii, too, as well. They're doing with the hurricane slash tropical storm. So hopefully you guys are doing okay with that. Let's get into some of the matchups. And now, as we we always say on here, styles make fights. Always. And you've got some interesting interesting battles that you're going to be watching positionally going into week one. What are you keeping your eye on to start things off with? First of all, you look at matchups, like you said, styles make fights. And one matchup in particular involves an upset that we've seen before. And that goes right down to uh, the line of scrimmage play to, you know, skill position. I think these teams are probably very similar in what they bring to the table. So I'm looking at their Richmond-Virginia game. And mm-hmm. I think Richmond's wide receivers, arguably the best in the conference, going up against that secondary of Virginia. They lose Quinn Blanding, who's now in the NFL, is a, a, a very good safety, four-year starter for them. So I, I'm interested in seeing how they do on the back end. We saw when Richmond beat Virginia before, Kyle Walletta had a field day throwing the football. Yeah. Can Kevin Johnson have the same type of success with what I think is a better group of receivers uh, out there uh, for him? And can Richmond pull the upset once again? So that matchup between Richmond and receivers and the Cavaliers corners are going to be something that's going to be key. All right, let's, let's talk about is there any what kind of um, opportunities are you looking at on the defensive side of the ball? Because again we have a lot of FCS versus FBS opponents here. Is there any FCS defenses that you're looking forward to seeing against an FBS offense to see what they can do? Stony Brook's defense, which we always love. Yes. Front seven play is strong at Stony Brook. They do things the right way. Their gap sound, their gap discipline. All of that is out the window. Because they play Air Force. <laughs> yeah. Air Force Option is football. Weird. Air Force is weird. So that's the matchup I'm looking forward to seeing. How will their defense respond to that uh, spread option of Air Force? You know, it's a, it's almost like a split line option or a veer option. Um, uh, I want to say, I forgot the, the exact name for it, uh, but it's not your triple option. You know, it's not right. your standard triple option. Uh, slot back option, something like that. So I'm interested to see how disciplined Stony Brook's defense can be. 
because we know they have athletes, we know they have uh, tremendous talent, can they remain disciplined enough to have success versus this slot option offense of Air Force? And the same can be said for all corn state. Now, they're going up against a triple option or maybe the flex bone, uh, so to speak, in Georgia Tech. Right. So it's all about being disciplined. You know, if you have the dive, take the dive. If you have the pitch man, take the pitch man. If you have the quarterback, take the quarterback. Do not try to be a hero. Do not divert. Right. Do not divert. That's when you get into trouble because you have that, let's say they're coming your way, and you have that in-man on the line of scrimmage, that outside linebacker or whoever it may be, whose job is the quarterback, but he feels as though he can still make a play on the pitch. Yeah. Touchdown. Gone. Do your job, and we'll see if Stony Brook can do their job versus the Air Force option. Another another one I want to keep an eye on in that same vein, but it goes the opposite direction, Kennesaw State versus Georgia State. That's an interesting style for the FBS side to take care of with Kennesaw State. Well, yeah, and you look at Georgia State. They are probably not going to sleep on this opponent. This, no, you can't. You saw what happened last year in week one against an FCS opponent. They yeah. lost Tennessee State. And you have an added pressure of this team is not too far away from your campus. Yeah. In-state recruits. Yeah. This is a huge game for Georgia State. Yeah. this is Because this, this has a lot on the line. This is all recruiting battle now. Right. This is like the game that I want to bring up, Grambling and Louisiana, my Raging Cajuns. That's a big, yeah. Their passing game against that defense of University of Louisiana – they lose Tracy Walker to the NFL, who's now the Detroit Lions. Right. They lose um, – oh, his name slips my mind, but he's now with the Cleveland Browns. Another defensive back. I, I talked about him all offseason. I can't remember his name. <laughs> so they have some questions in the secondary. Grambling is known for their passing game, but they're yeah. breaking in a new quarterback in Jeremy, Jeremy Hickbottom. Right. So – that passing offense against that defense. Now, granted, the Raging Cajuns do have Ron Roberts, who was the head coach at Southeastern Louisiana, and his forte was defense with the Lions. Right. What impact he's going to make on his defense in game one? Because just like Georgia State and Kennesaw State that you mentioned, this game is huge from a magnitude standpoint because of the significance of the – this is the first time they've ever met on the football field, number one. Right. Number two, this is a chance for Grambling to notch the first – uh, SWAC victory over an FBS team since 1985 when Grambling beat Oregon State. So yeah. it's a lot and the recruiting battle. Yeah. You can't go 0 for 3 in this matchup uh, if no. you're in Louisiana. You have to find a way to, to be successful. So I think it all stems to whether or not their secondary is able to cover this year and play defense. And I, I think that's going to be the key. Simeon Thomas is the doggone guy's name. That's now the Cleveland Browns. Saved it right at the end, folks. <laughs> All right, Emory, we've got a lot of games we want to talk about. In Hold up, I got, I got a couple more. Oh, you, oh, you got a couple more, more matchups. Okay, um, fine, then you got to tell me that. What the, uh, we, we talked, you talked oh. about Rhode Island, but their offensive line is facing a challenge this week with the front seven of Delaware. Yes. yes Troy Reader is one of the best linebackers in the country, pro prospect. Charles Bell is back from injury, another great inside linebacker for Delaware. And we saw their defensive line put two guys in the NFL this past April. Bilal Powell and uh, – not Bilal Powell. Bilal Powell. I was just at the Jets game. <laughs> Bilal Nichols. And I forgot the other kid's name that it, he signed with the uh, he signed with the Bears, I believe, but he's now with the Chiefs. So, I think their defensive line and the offensive line of Rhode Island is the matchup that I want to watch. If Rhode Island is going to make some serious noise in the CAA, 
They have to be good in the trenches. It doesn't yes. matter who you ha- – they have a great receiver in Aaron Parker. It doesn't matter who you have at receiver, at quarterback, at running back. If you're not good in this conference along the offensive line and defensive line, you're not going to win a lot of games. So right. that's why this is a big test for them. And just the matchup of styles, because I've seen this these two teams play before, one on film, one in person. Division two St. Augustine's against Jacksonville of the Pioneer. What? <laughs> right. That's Where a game. Where is this coming from? That's a game, and I know the head coach at St. Augustine's, Coach Chavis, he is a phenomenal coach. Excellent and, and a good dude. He played running back at Bethune Cookman. Um he was he's a good dude. Great coach. I sat down. If you want to check out that interview, go to footballgameplan.com slash FBGPU. You see my interview with Coach Chavis. That's a plug. Um, <laughs> but I think San Augustine's passing game is going to be interesting. We know Jacksonville doesn't have defense. No. That was an issue last no. year. Yeah, the defense couldn't stop anybody, but they could run the football. So we're going to learn a lot about San Augustine's. I know this is a Division II program. Uh, show uh, team. They're just happy to get a shout. They're gonna happy to get a shout out. If right, <laughs> and if they win this game, that's a notch in their belt. But the this this is the reason why this is a challenge for Jacksonville because of where St. Augustine is located in Raleigh, North Carolina, or Durham, North Carolina. Recruiting, they are talented, man. This is not your average D two program in the middle of nowhere, right? right? They're they're talented on this team. They may be actually the front runners to win. This, the SI, or CIAA this year. Um, so Jacksonville has their hands full in this one. They can't sleepwalk in this ball game. Okay. So it's going to be a good matchup. Okay. And also one other game I want to throw in there because we're not going to cover it. Citadel versus Wofford. Option versus option. That game, if that's a broadcaster's dream because that game is probably going to be 45 minutes long. 45 minutes, no timeouts. No. You're, you're in and out. <laughs> just, go, just go for it. And it'll be interesting to see, again, because Citadel is usually up there and usually poses a problem. Mm-hmm. This will be a good test against a Wofford team that, again, with a new change of coach, we'll see if there's a change of philosophy or whether they're just going to roll with it. But option versus option could be interesting. And the fact that we got this game week one is huge. Yeah, absolutely massive. This is huge like the North Carolina A&T Jacksonville State game is huge because it's a big matchup that has playoff implications. This has playoff implications uh, right now. Yeah. You know, both teams need this, this game. Yeah, which is crazy to think about in week one. Right. But let's move into the week one previews. And again, folks, we don't just focus on the Missouri Valley CAA. We will cover everybody. And if your conference is not mentioned, it'll probably be mentioned next week. But let's start with Southern. Or in the video. Or in the video. You have to watch the video. Southern Illinois versus Murray State. You've hi- we've highlighted this one. Intriguing matchup. And again, you talk about playoff indications, two teams that are kind of working their way back up. Southern Illinois, kind of in the middle of the pack. Murray State in there as well. This could be an interesting one, though. It's no different to me than the uh, Citadel Wofford game as far as teams that need victories. Yeah. Both teams have aspirations of, of climbing their conference, right? Yeah. I think we could easily say that. And this is a type of out of conference game that you have to win. Yeah. And this can also springboard you into a season of success. So that's why this is intriguing to me because both teams are, are kind of fighting. You know, they're they're swimming in the middle of the pack, more yeah. toward the end of the pack, but definitely to uh, the positive side toward the middle. You kind of want to see how they open up, and that's why I love Week One because you not only get to see great matchups, but you also get to see great coaching um, and 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 see it play out on game day because right. they've had all summer to practice for one opponent. 
Yeah. Normally you get a week to practice for your opponent. You have months yeah. to prepare and practice. So these games are going to be some of the well-coached games that we've seen, we're, we're going to see all year, and some of the highly competitive ones. Well, let's talk about another one of those matchups, and that's Central Connecticut State taking on Ball State from the FBS. Central Connecticut, of course, they won the NEC last year. They've just watched Duquesne get absolutely wrecked by UMass. Is their confidence up? Are they looking you know, too confident to this game, or is this a, a gettable game for Central Connecticut? It's always a gettable game, and I, and I don't think they have any bearings on what happened with Duquesne. Like, you know, that's irrelevant. Uh-huh. I will say this, though. You know, they get Dolgala back at quarterback. Remember, he was suspended for the playoff game. Right. I actually like Ball State's secondary this year. I'm high on their secondary. I think what they did last year, and I always talk about this because it's, it's key, is playing youth early and watching it develop. Yeah. They played some freshmen last year, some first-time starters, and they took their lumps. But when you look at the, the talent that they possess in the secondary – Ball State will be much better on the back end. And I'm interested to see how the passing game of Central Connecticut State with a really good quarterback in, in Dalgala can have success versus what should be a very tough and stingy secondary. This game, because of the defense of Central Connecticut State, I think will be closer than a lot of people think. Yes. You know, so to your point, yes, this could be a gettable game. This is definitely one of entry. Well, we talked about, you, you said before, playoff implications early this next game certainly has that western illinois versus montana state this is huge i mean western illinois we talked about them last year probably were a playoff team until about week 10 and then they just fell off the face of the earth montana state really good year last year going to be a factor again in the big sky this is a really really good matchup in week one and it makes it tough for montana state because just what two weeks ago they lose their starting quarterback yeah to grades yeah now if you're western illinois you can't take your foot off the gas because yeah even though they lose their starting quarterback and you know they had a lot of momentum in the offseason about this could be a season where the bobcats turned around and get back into the playoffs and make some noise they still going to be motivated it's still week one yeah western illinois with all their losses still looks good yes so i mean you lose brett taylor who's one of the best linebackers in history uh, of their program, you know, they have a great quarterback returning. They should be good along the line of scrimmage. Western Illinois looks like a really solid team once again. They are always – I think people look at Youngstown State as like that standard, but I feel like Western Illinois is they're the right same way. They're right there with them. Yeah, yeah they, they, are, they are always competitive, and I think this would be a very good game. It's like that, those two in Illinois State are always just kind of right yeah, there, and r- then they can just pop up one year and be really, really good and then just kind of fall off. And, but and their fall right off is, is usually like a five and six season. But yeah. in those six losses, you, you see like, man, they could have won that game, that game. It could have easily been eight and three. Yeah, I feel like that is Western Illinois' program in a nutshell. Let's move into another game, another potential uh, game of intrigue here. JMU travels to NC State to take off the Wolfpack. We know what JMU brings to the table. Is NC State ready for this? Here's the thing about this matchup. You look at NC State, gone as Bradley Chubb, NFL. Yep. Gone as B.J. Hall, NFL, right? right. Or B.J. Hill, NFL, out here with the Giants. Gone as Contavious Street. He's with the, I want to say he's probably, I think he is with the Broncos or Cardinals, one of those teams. They lose Naheem Hines, the running back. There's a lot of huge pieces missing. 
Yeah. And if you quickly look at this game on the schedule, you think, oh, this is the ACC versus Conference USA. But that's how good James Madison is. Talk to Tech. Yeah. Talk to Virginia. Talk to East Carolina. I don't think they I don't think they <laughs> want to play them anymore. So this game is going to be this may be the upset special of the upset special of week one. Granted, there are some questions for JMU as well. Of course. They're they're making a few replacements on the offensive side of and the ball. On, and on defense, too. But their secondary is second to none at right. JMU. I mean, you're talking about one of the best squads maybe in D1, period. Not just FCS, D1. They are stacked in the secondary. Yeah, I think this this could be the game, man, because be it. Ryan Finley is the quarterback for North Carolina State. And he wants to have a Heisman campaign, and he wants a springboard. He came back for his, I think it's his sixth season. I don't know how he continues to have eligibility. So, <laughs> the man Wilder. <laughs> exactly, right? He came back, and he came back because he wants to really win a conference championship. Now, that's wishful thinking in the ACC, which has Miami and Florida State uh, and Clemson. Right. So, but if you open up your, your senior season, your super senior season with the loss of JMU. Not saying that you should be like that. That's not a bad thing because JMU is a legit good team. Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> but JMU don't be that guy. JMU could. I can. I can easily see JMU winning this game and not blink twice about it because we've seen this before. We've seen yeah. JMU do this to FBS teams before. Yeah. Let's go to an, an FCS matchup and an a. Uh, an interconference matchup in the Northeast as Lehigh takes on St. Francis. We liked what we saw about St. Francis. We talked about their defense. They've got a lot going. We know what Lehigh can do on offense. This is a great matchup. Speaking of defense, Lehigh's defense, how will they match up against Cameron Lewis? True. He is a pro prospect out there, man. He is one of the best receivers in the country. You talk about Keelan Doss, you can't forget about Cameron Lewis. Yeah. Bear Finnamore. <laughs> Great name for a quarterback. Yes. So, we talk about Lehigh's offense. St. Francis has their own offense. Is this a basketball score in the making is what you're saying? I don't know, man. That's the, is this, is that Watch the Lehigh defense surprise us this year and be stout. Yeah, Lehigh gives up like 10 points a game. Exactly. It's like, where, where does this come from? And you have two great running backs. You have Marcus Bagley of St. Francis, who was hurt pretty much last year. Right. Came back, and now he's healthy. 5'11", 230. And you have another 5'11", 230 running back on the other end that is should be a candidate for the Walter Payton and Don Bragg along for Lehigh. Yeah. And they have a great quarterback, too, in Brad Mays. So, you know what? You're right. Basketball score. We may see a basketball 66, score in this 57. <laughs> People will be confused. And this is a great matchup because we talked about this throughout the podcast about playoff implications. You want to at-large bid if you're St. Francis or Lehigh, if you don't win your conference – win this game because I think both teams will be good. Yes. Now, let's move into this other one. Now, if we look at this game on paper, <laughs> this is a blowout at halftime because it's the CAA versus the Pioneer. Right. But Youngstown State's coming off an off year. We don't know how much they're going to be able to reload. Butler is coming off a pretty good season in the Pioneer League, and they are going to probably be the big cha- challengers of San Diego this season. Why are we taking a look at this game? Because it's week one. And like you said, on paper, this looks and bad. Anything is possible. Are anything go, is possible, but I will say this. You're right. Anything is possible. But I will say this about Youngstown State. They had some injuries in the offseason that, you know, guys that were key to their success this year. 
and you wonder, you know, man, how are they going to respond? I don't think they'll have a problem with Butler in this game. I think they win this game easily. But Butler has been that that I want to see how Butler competes because to me how they show up in this game sets the table for what we could expect in the Pioneer. So for me, it's all about what they look like this year in conjunction to how they're going to look in the Pioneer. I don't I don't have this game highlighted because I think they have a shot to knock off the Penguins. I just want to see how they show up against Youngstown State because yeah. that tells me okay, this team is going to be serious contenders in the Pioneer. And they're going to be facing off with Drake. Jacksonville could be good again. San Diego, of course, the class. So it'll be interesting to see how they where they fall exactly. eventually. Let's move into another one. And this is a team looking for revenge. A massive chip on their shoulder. McNeese State taking on Northern Colorado. I feel bad for Northern Colorado because this could be over by halftime. Oh, wow. So I will say this, though. <laughs> you call like, it for the blowout. I already In my preseason top 25, I have McNeese, what, third? Yeah, something ridiculous. Yeah, no, so- not ridiculous. I have them where they should be. <laughs> right? You so mean not New Hampshire at number three. New Hampshire is number four, probably. Whatever. Anyway, so McNeese. I will say this. <laughs> McNeese has great offense, two backs that can really get the job done. Yeah. You know, they got one back returning from injury, along with David Hamm, who's was phenomenal last year, James Tabari, BJ Blunt at linebacker. They just got a transfer from Florida that's ready to play right now. So that's in addition to a defense that was really tough. Lance Gidry is a defensive guy, you know, as the head coach, but he was known for his defense. How could you not see McNeese being the most complete team or worthy of a third ranking in the football game plan top 25? I don't understand that. So I agree with you, but the experts are saying you're crazy. The experts. <laughs> at but, Craig Haley on Twitter. <laughs> at Craig Haley for if, if you disagree with this statement. But – and with this game in mind, Northern Colorado, it's different. You know, the Bears are kind of flying the ointment. You're yeah. traveling to Northern Colorado, a team that probably you're expecting to win. Right. This is prime for an upset, right? It is It is at altitude, which also plays into things. True, especially early on. That That's going to take effect for about a quarter. So that gives Northern Colorado a chance to really gain some momentum. Yeah, going but, from the bayou to the mountains. So Right. And, and it's probably going to be what? 72 degrees up there in northern Colorado. Well, that's and that's freezing from, yeah, to, be, to, to Lake Charles, Louisiana. You're going to up in three different exactly. layers. Exactly. Look like a puff marshmallow right now. <laughs> right. So I will say this, though. I, I am high on McNeese State this year. Right. I think they can go into northern Colorado and take care of business. I think that the national scene within the FCS will take notice on how strong this team looks from top to bottom. One last game we're going to highlight here, folks, we go, before we go into our, our new version of Hot Takes, our headline of the week, Lafayette taking on Sacred Heart, another Northeast matchup. Lafayette, they broke in a freshman quarterback last year, nearly won the whole conference in the last week. <laughs> right. Sacred Heart, we like what we've seen from Sacred Heart in the preseason. What do you like about this matchup here? Because of all the things you just mentioned, and you laid it out perfectly. We know Sacred Heart is normally at the top of the NEC, right, or within the top three. They've fallen off a lot the last year or so. Yeah, and so when, when they were good, it's because what we talked about in the CAA, offensive line, defensive line, right? Right. And running game and stable play at the quarterback position. I think they have all three this year. Lafayette is coming off a, of a off a year where they were 5-1 and one in the conference. Yeah. You know, so they were pretty high going into um, the offseason. Like, man, we really can turn this thing around. Couldn't beat anybody else, but they were great in conference. They were great in conference, you know. it's, it's Right. So, so – now we're going to see what they can do as an encore. 
now they have the belief in themselves and a game like this, just like when we talked about Southern Illinois and Murray State, this is a game to, you know, if you really are going to be in a conversation, you have to win. This is for both teams because Lafayette should be much improved this year over what they did last year, which was impressive, and Sacred Heart should be stronger than they were last year within the front uh, seven on defense and also along the offensive line. So I'm interested to see how this game plays out. I know this is going to be a, a low-scoring, competitive game. It's going to be one of those 24-19 type games. Right. Both teams really have to show well, and I want to see how they are going to adjust to going through adversity in this contest. What improvements will O'Malley make as the sophomore quarterback now and not the true freshman quarterback? Right. And he was a true freshman walk-on quarterback. Because they made, they they struggled to get points on the board right. last year until the end of the season, and then they really picked it up with him at quarterback. So. so is it a trend going in the right direction or is it an aberration? I think it's a trend going in the right direction because he was a freshman last year. So this is one of those intriguing matchups that I will definitely be keeping a close eye on uh, this week as I will be on the broadcast for Morgan State Towson in the Battle of Greater Baltimore. Interesting game there, too. And, and we have another rivalry game, the Battle for the uh, the uh, the Musket up in uh, up in Orono, Maine, taking on New Hampshire. Talk about a, a litmus test for New Hampshire. Talk about a big game in week one. Yeah. We, we the got Bryce Citadel. Cowell Musket going right. up for grabs. Maine, New Hampshire, Citadel Wofford. Uh, Delaware playing week one, a, a good opponent. So Maine, if you can hear me, if you can win this game, we can end this conversation now. Western Illinois, <laughs> Western Illinois and Montana State. Listen. There's a massive games in week. Like, yeah, this is like you. This all is of almost, September. This all looks September like week nuts. 13 yeah. matchups. No, this is crazy. Like all of September, you're going to see six or seven games that are like, well, that's a playoff game. That's right. a playoff game. That's a playoff game. It's week two, <laughs> so but now we're talking about week one. But let's talk about what the headline will be. This is going to be our new version of hot takes here in the season. The headline going into Monday. What is yours? Because I've got mine. I give you two. All right, one. The raging Cajuns swacks Grambling. Is that another term of Cajun knowledge that I don't know yet? Or is well, that- <laughs> I, t- I have to bring you there to bring you here, right? So, in college, when you play Madden and you beat someone twenty-one nothing, some people call it skunked, right? Oh, you got right. We call it swacked. Okay. So, they're gonna beat Grambling. You're calling a shutout. Yes. Of Grambling. Of Grambling. Wow. And I have Ouch. close ties to both programs, and I Ouch. wish nothing but the best. I want the stadium to be packed. I want both coaches to, to do well. I just kind of slightly root for my rage cage, right? Slightly. So yeah. that's a bias headline. <laughs> but the real headline will be JMU tames the Wolfpack. Interesting. I think they beat NC State. Interesting. Well, in that line, in that line, I'm not too far away from you, but I'm going a little bit of a step further in that. Not on that game. Same state. Coach Mendenhall out at Virginia after loss to Richmond. Wow. You call it for the job. I think Richmond wins, and I'm just basing that on what I have seen from this from University of Virginia. This is an impatient athletic department when it comes to their football program. They had a real good year in his first season. They got him in there. Oh, this is our guy. This is fantastic. They were brutal last year. He went from being completely safe to on the hot seat. But they went to a bowl last year. It doesn't matter down there. 
It's Virgin like with Virginia, especially with how Tech plays. They're always behind. They were behind Beamer Ball. Now they're still. They haven't beaten Virginia Tech. I want to say in, in forever, in thirteen <laughs> years, something like it's something crazy like that. So, in that vein, if Richmond wins this game with without the NFL quarterback, would this be his second loss to Richmond? I think it is. Was he the head coach when he lost to Richmond two years ago? Yeah, because it's his third season. So I don't. I think that's enough. <laughs> I think that's enough. Also, before we kick off the show, you know, end the show here, you know what I have to do? It's D three season starting too. So oh, I that's give right. A shout you guys out. kick off. Right, right, right. I got to give a shout out to my alma mater, Springfield College. Rivalry game week one against the in city rivals, Western New England University. Massive, massive game. The last first two. This is like the third year they've ever played each other. Mm-hmm. I don't know why because both games have been. Nuts! I think last year it was like thirty, you know, forty-one, thirty-eight, or something like that. It came down to the last play. It was absolutely bonkers. So, all I'm saying is, get that blue and gold crap out of here. <laughs> Just get are the you, victory. Were you guys? Are you guys uh, looking to be in the playoffs this year, like you were last year? Of course, we're in the playoffs this year. We were undefeated last year. We're going to be undefeated again. With all with the loss of the tailback, I get it. Option football, you know, the next man up. We got our our new quarterback in. Kid's name is Shade. Keep an eye on his him nickname is Shade. No, no, his last name is Shade. Oh, okay, but you're he's also for a good start. But he's also not only is he going to be our starting quarterback more than likely this year, he's also might be our latest draft pick in the MLB. Oh he's wow, six two center fielder for the baseball team runs a four six forty or so. He's taking over at quarterback full-time this year. Keep an eye on this young man. He's going to be fun to watch. Shade. So, got to throw that shout-out in there. Folks, that's going to do it for our Week 1 preview. We could have upsets galore. We could look like complete idiots. We don't know which one yet, but we've got massive games on the schedule. It's finally here. Football is finally back. We can stop going crazy. Emery can stop watching soccer because apparently that's all he watches when football. All I going. watch is soccer. All <laughs> I watch. I love you, it. You know this is thing called the channel. You can change the channel on the remote. Soccer is always in season, apparently. Yes, it is. But I know you hate it, so you don't have to. It watch. doesn't make sense. Like it never ends on the field, and it never ends obviously on TV. Well, it, it's fun on TV. That's all. It's, it's fun. It's more fun in person than it is on TV. I'll, well, I'll, can, I'll, it's like baseball. You can go. You can yeah, take yeah. all kind of breaks. I can go grill out in the backyard, come back and still the same score, <laughs> and miss go back, no action. Go back to the liquor store, kick up a. Yeah, you can do so pack. much stuff. I can go do my taxes, come back, and the guys are still kicking the ball around the middle. <laughs> I don't like, know. You're, I've seen your taxes. They're a little bit, a uh, little bit on the shaky side. Hey now, <laughs> folks. Again, well, shout out to Craig Haley too, because I know what our what our previews. We have uh, coming out with the videos and stuff like that. Yes. Always check stats. Um, dot com. Or what is FCS dot football? FCS dot football. FCS dot football. Just type in FCS stats. It'll bring you. Yeah, to it'll the page. bring you to the page because he does a great job with with uh, news and notes and previews of these games, and he's really plugged in. So, you know, shout out to Craig Haley for doing great work servicing the FCS. Again, folks, thank you for listening to the podcast. We'll be back with week two next week. More headlines, more news, potentially some more firings. We'll know. (laughs) Hey, well, you call for a job early. Week one, goodness. We'll we'll soon find what happens. I mean, the the, the first name Bear is better than the first name Bronco. I'm sorry. Like, that's just a better nickname. I don't know, man. Bronco is a pretty tough first name. Uh, Bear's got to beat, though, especially if you're a defensive coordinator. Bronco Nagurski, Bronco Mendehall. Like, Eh. name name of... Meh. Meh, whatever. That's two right there. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Folks, thanks for listening to the podcast. See you next week.